Those millennials. Has, it, has anybody ever heard that phrase, like, those millennials? Um, have, any, have you guys heard a lot of negative talk about millennials? Have you guys been hearing this? Negative talk? Okay. This is kind of a funny video that pokes a little bit of fun at millennials, but this is kind of a hot topic, and uh, we want to talk about it. And so we're going to have uh, discussions at our table here in just a few minutes. Uh, I've got a message, a short message that I want to share with you, but uh, we're going to pass around a discussion guide, and I would love for you guys like to discuss the topic of millennials and what are, uh, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses. Um, I've been, I've been uh, doing ministry with young adults since I was a young adult, and I'm not a young adult anymore. I'm just an adult. But uh, actually, the, the truth is, as far as millennials go, some experts agree that millennials are actually a generation that started all the way going back to 1980. 1980. And uh, so that I just barely squeak in. I, technically, I'm a millennial. I've never been so happy to be a millennial. But if that makes me a little bit younger or whatever, I'm good. But first of all, you can't say all millennials are such and such, because that's a generalization, right? You can't label a whole group of people. But there's no doubt that there's strengths of millennials and there's weaknesses of millennials. And so we're going to talk about how we can overcome some of the the weaknesses. But we're not going to just generalize everybody. And we're not going to put labels on people, because God doesn't put labels on people. You know, he doesn't say, you're lazy, and that's just who you are. You're just a lazy millennial. You are entitled. You are this or that. Uh, God doesn't do that. And I, I want you to know, God believes in millennials. He believes in young adults. And I believe in young adults. And I believe that you have enormous potential. And millennials have incredible potential because think about uh, the resources that are at your fingertips. Think about the potential that you have. One thing, uh, one strength of millennials is that they, they live with purpose. They don't believe in just getting a job to pay the bills. Like they want to do something that's significant. They want to do something that makes an impact. So that's a huge strength that uh, millennials have. Uh, the other thing is millennials are authentic. They don't want to do something that's fake. They don't want to go through the motions and just have, you know, uh, you know they don't want to go and, and just play church. They don't want to be like, you know what, yeah, uh, I, I go to church and I'm a Christian, but then they have this whole other life. Millennials don't really want to do that. They, they, they have uh, this desire for authenticity. Also, millennials are bold. They do not let fear hold them back, which is a huge strength. You guys are not afraid of very much, which is incredible. And if, if you had the right idea, if you had a vision for something, especially something that God puts in your heart, you wouldn't have fear. Like You would be able to go out and do it. And you uh, don't have all these limitations on you. Like, you can put together, you know, like, hey, I can just Google that. I can just email so-and-so. I can just contact this person. I can just get the word out on social media. I could just start a GoFundMe and just get the ball rolling. I, I like, no fear. I, if you have a cause, it's pretty incredible this morning um, going uh, through North Charleston, starting from here, actually, 9 o'clock this morning, and leaving with Scotty Parker. Now, if you don't know who he is, he's a 13-year-old kid that God gave him a, a burden, really a passion on his heart to 
raise money for clean water in places where they don't have clean water. And so their, their health is failing. People are, are dying. People aren't getting the medical treatment that they need. And, and so God just puts it on Scotty's heart to raise money. And so uh, Scotty had this idea right across the state of South Carolina with a bicycle and raise money. And he did that. But then it gets bigger. I'm going to ride across the whole country. And so he finished today, uh, Mike and I and Trennan and um, Hunter. And some of us were, uh, we got to ride with him today. Like we only rode 17 miles. He rode 3,300 miles. Uh, but, it, it, but it was pretty cool to see what a young person can do. No fear, no limitations. But <clears throat> tonight, I want us to focus on something that I believe is probably the most important issue with millennials, and this is a weakness that you have to overcome, I have to overcome, and it's not just a weakness of millennials, but it's really a weakness that that goes back centuries, and it's the weakness of pride. It's the sin of pride and arrogance. This is something that we have to overcome if we're going to go further in our relationship with God, if we're going to go deeper, and if we're going to do what God has called us to do, God has a calling on your life. He has a strong calling on your life. God has something important for you to do, and I'm telling you, you guys were created to make a difference. And you may not know what that difference is. You may not know what that passion is yet, but I'm telling you, if, you will, if we will recognize our need for God, if we will get on our knees and we will pray and we will seek God's face and we will turn away from our sin, then God is going to put a passion in us to do something powerful. And it's in you because Jesus is in you. And if you don't have what you would call like a purpose, a passion, a burden, God is going to give it to you. But one thing that often stands in the way is pride. Pride is this attitude. It's like, I don't need God. I'm good on my own. I don't, I don't really need to get into the word of God. I, I feel like I already know that stuff. I don't need a mentor. I don't need a small group. I don't need your advice. I don't need your wisdom. Like I'm pretty wise, okay? Pretty, pretty smart, okay? So I think I know what's going on. And that's that, that attitude of, of arrogance. Um, just recently, just a couple of weeks ago, there was a young adult, um, and uh, I spent some time with him. I was talking to him, and he was just telling me just basically about how his life is falling apart. And he had this, this really sad story, like one thing after another. His life was just crumbling down around him. And <clears throat> I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of impressed on me to ask him a question. And that question is, do you think that you need God? Because he's describing all this bad stuff that's happened to him. But I just didn't, I just didn't believe that he, think, that he thought that he needed God. And so I asked him that. And his response to that question was, you know, I've been doing this so long on my own that I don't think so. Like that, that was his answer. He's basically saying, I don't really need God. He's like... I'm used to it. I've been dealing with this stuff for a long time now. I'm just used to it. I don't, I don't think so. And my heart was broken over this guy. And I just began to tell him how much 
He needs God. Like, man, you need forgiveness. You need to be set free. You need to be born again. When you're born again, your whole world changes. Like, God's going to open up your eyes. And God wants to show you powerful truth in his word that's going to change your life forever. God has a plan for your life. And all this stuff is just, all this truth is hitting him. But because of the pride and because of the arrogance and this attitude, like, I'm good on my own. I don't need God. He just wouldn't hear it. And it totally broke my heart. And I never want to be in that position. And that's just a good reminder. Like, Kevin, don't ever get in the place where you think that you're wise enough, that you know enough. Don't ever get in the, in the place where you're not uh, asking for help. Like, if you've got, Kevin, if you have sin in your life, I'm just kind of encouraging myself through this process. If you have sin in your life, repent of it. Ask somebody to call you out. Confess your sin to somebody. Tell them what's going on. But you need God. And I just, this huge, just warning light, warning, 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 came off when I was talking to this young man. But that, that's what pride does. I don't need help. I don't need wisdom. I don't need advice. <clears throat> when we're prideful, this is, this is the original sin. This is the sin that the devil fell into when he was an angel. When he was Lucifer, and he was uh, worshiping God in heaven with all the other angels, but he had the sin of pride. And it was like, I am going to be like God. I will ascend, and I will be on the same level as God. And I'm not going to worship God anymore. I will be worshiped. And it was all about I, 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 me, me, me. And he got thrown out of heaven. But that was the original sin, and it's not just a millennial issue, but this is an issue that we all deal with. Like We all struggle with pride, and be careful about saying, I don't really struggle with pride. I'm not really dealing with that. Look, we all struggle with it because it's this selfishness, it's this self-centeredness, and it's this attitude of, like, I just need to look out for me. But there's hope. There's hope in God's word, James chapter 4, verse 6, but he gives more grace. Talking about God. God has grace for us. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I never want to be in the place where God is actually opposing me. This is one of the only descriptions in the Bible where God is actually fighting against somebody, actually pushing people away. He doesn't do that. He welcomes us with open arms, like the prodigal son. Like the father out there waiting for the prodigal son to come home, God has open arms towards us, but not when we have pride, because pride, it doesn't allow us to come home like the prodigal son did. It doesn't allow, a pride will stay out, out there where the prodigal son was living, even if it has to just work with the pigs on a farm. Pride will stay out there and it will not let you repent. It will not let you change and you you won't go home. But, When we come home, when we humble ourselves and we say, I'm not making it on my own. Like, this is not working. I need help. I need a breakthrough. I need freedom, and I'm not able to provide it for myself. I need the freedom that only God can provide. We come home, and we, we humble ourselves, and that is when grace comes. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the what? To the humble. I want God's grace. Do you want God's grace? I need God's, I'm desperate for God's grace 
I want you guys to be in the same camp. We're desperate for God's grace. We're desperate for his help. Without him, we are nothing. Without his blood, then we are sinners. And so we need him and we need his help to overcome sin. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. These are, these are the next steps. If we, want to become, if we want to become more humble, if we want to become closer to God, he's telling us right here in his word through James, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Prideful people don't want to be told that they're sinners. And there's a whole group of people who call themselves Christians that don't want to confront their own sin, don't want to admit that they're sinners, but we are. They don't want to be called that because it's offensive, which is offensive to God. We've got to be honest. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, we need him. We're desperate for him. Um, when, I, when I was in Bible college years ago, there was a, a roommate that I had, and uh, I was so new in my relationship with God that I was just hungry for God. I was like soaking up any bit of wisdom, and I was in church all the time, and I was just soaking up everything the pastor would say, and I would get tapes. Back then, we had cassette tapes of the message, and as soon as the message was over, I would go to the bookstore, and I would buy a tape, and it was like three bucks, and I would buy it, and I would, I would go to work all week, and I would listen to the tape over and over and over, and I would read this, the scriptures, everything he was talking about. I was just hungry. So I went to Bible college, and the, the first week of classes, I'm like, this is incredible stuff. I have never heard this stuff before. It was blowing my mind. And all this stuff about God's word is biblical studies. And I, but I had this roommate, and, I, and I'm trying to explain to him, like, do you, I mean, isn't this incredible? Like, are you, do you feel the same way I feel? Like, are you learning a lot? And he's like, a lot of this stuff I've heard before. And it's just like, huh. He just wasn't getting it. It wasn't getting it. It wasn't breaking through. There was, like, was no victory in his life. And he kind of had that attitude, not just the first week, but he kind of had that attitude always. It was like you couldn't teach him anything. He acted like it was a know-it-all. And I, I ended up having an incredible experience at Bible college. My roommate dropped out after a while. It was pride. It was pride. I don't really need this. His life was a wreck. Trust me, he needed this. He needed it more than anybody. He was a mess, but he just had this pride. Eh, I've kind of heard all this stuff before. Well, maybe you have, but you're not doing any of it, so you don't really know it, do you? It was just pride, and it was arrogance. Um, in uh, Luke chapter 9, Jesus' disciples are arguing about something. Now, here's the thing about Jesus' disciples. This is, uh, this is at around A.D. 30, and so you could say that uh, the disciples... Most of them were probably born around A.D. 10, maybe A.D. 15. These guys were millennials. Okay, it was back in A.D., you know, but uh, these guys were totally millennials. And uh, they were sitting around, and they were arguing about who was the greatest, those millennials. They're arguing about which one is the greatest. And uh, Jesus comes to them, and uh, I want to read this to you from Luke chapter, 
9, starting in verse 46. An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you is the one who is great. And Jesus just totally changes the perspective. He just flips the tables on them. Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. Children were not honored. They, they were not considered as special as we consider children today. And that's one reason we have millennial and internationals because of all of the parents who are called helicopter parents and they have hovered over their kids and handing out participation trophies like all their life and have like celebrated every little thing that they've done. Uh, but back then it wasn't like this. These kids, they're like, get away, get, a, get away from Jesus. We don't have time for you. <laughs> and kids were not honored. They were not special. Uh, they were not considered special. But Jesus picks one of them up and he says, if you receive this little kid, then you receive me. And he's like, you need to become like a, a child. He says this in another verse. You need to have the faith of a child. Is this, does that describe my relationship with God? Does that describe your relationship with God? Is it like the faith of a child? Is it like that? Because it should be. Because children usually aren't very arrogant. They're not very prideful. They kind of are looking up to everybody. They know they need help. My kids, they know they need help. They're asking for help all the time. It's kind of annoying. But let's be more childlike in our relationship with God, and we'll become humble. There's another part of Scripture where the disciples are arguing at a different time because uh, two of them had asked that they would sit on one on the right hand and one on the left hand side of Jesus in heaven. And Jesus He's like, you guys don't really know what you're asking. And then the other 10 disciples hear about this, and, and they're very upset at them. And it wasn't because they asked a bad question, because they wanted to sit at the right and left hand. And so, again, they're kind of arguing and competing with each other, like who is the greatest. And at Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people. The officials flaunt their authority over over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Just think about that for a second. Among you, it'll be different. People may say millennials are this, millennials are that, but among you, it will be different. Certain leaders in the world, they might be corrupt. They, they might have only their own interests in mind, but you guys, you guys are the future, and you're called to be a different type of leader. God has a calling on your life to be different, to be like him. So he says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants uh, to be served, I'm sorry, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. He's totally flipping the script like Jesus always so wonderfully does. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the type of millennial you are called to be. There's nothing wrong with millennials. You guys have a calling on your life to be world changers. You have a calling on your life to be like Jesus, but it's not 
following the ladder of success that the rest of the world follows. It's, it's different. It's if you want to become first, you need to become the last. If you want to become great, you need to become the least. Be a servant. Are we willing to serve people? Are we humble enough to serve people? Or does the idea of serving people? Now, we might want to go out and serve the poor sometime, and we feel a little bit better about ourselves. But what about serving somebody that doesn't like you? What about serving somebody maybe that's in your house, like a sibling or a parent, and somebody that you just don't really feel like serving? What about even serving an enemy? This is the people that Jesus calls us to serve. The, the least of these, the people that nobody else wants to be around, nobody else wants to touch, the people that are considered sinners, the people that are outcasts, serve them. Serve them. That It takes a humble person to serve. God has called us to be servants. That is how we can accomplish something great, is through serving, not ourselves, but by serving other people. Somebody who's thinking about other people Thinks, thinks big, like, you know what? I'm going to ride across the country. I'm going to try to raise a half a million dollars for clean water for people that don't have it. Somebody who's thinking about others is thinking like Jesus. A millennial who's thinking about others is going to have big ideas that are going to change the world. So people, other people, they might look at millennials and say, those millennials. Those millennials are arrogant, but we don't have to accept that. Those millennials are prideful. It doesn't have to be that way. Like What did Jesus say? It won't be that way among you. It won't be that way among you. You're not going to be one of those millennials that doesn't think that they need God. You're going to be one of those millennials that says, I'm one of those millennials that's born again. I'm one of those millennials that loves Jesus and is not ashamed of it. I'm one of those millennials that will wash feet and serve people who are dirty. I'm one of those millennials that's gonna lift up the name of Jesus no matter what. I'm one of those millennials that's gonna be humble like Jesus. I'm one of those millennials that can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm one of those millennials that's full of the Holy Spirit. That's the type of millennial that I am gonna be. How can we become less prideful and more humble? It's very simple. He must increase and we must decrease. What we want has got to decrease. What he wants increases. Our time with him, the time that we spend with the Father, in his word, in prayer, in worship, that's got to increase. And the time that we're just satisfying ourselves, that's got to decrease. All we have to do is look at Jesus and look at the way that he lived his life. Spend less time obsessing over who gets the credit and who gets the glory and spend more time giving God the glory. Less time acting like we have it all together and more time being hungry for God and asking for help. Being more time humble and saying, hey, this is where I'm at. I need to grow. Somebody that wants to grow and is honest about the areas they need to grow in, that's a humble person. And you know what? God may oppose the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You need God's grace in your life just as I do. And so let's humble ourselves. Let's spend less time worrying about our image 
and more time loving the least of these. Amen? I want to pray for us. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this scripture. I believe that you wanted to share this with us tonight. I believe that you are calling us to a level of humility that we haven't reached before. I believe that you're calling us not to climb the ladder, not to get above everybody else and be better than everybody else, but you're calling us to go down to our knees, to get down on our face and seek you. I thank you for this generation. It doesn't matter what everybody else may say. It only matters what you say. God, you have a calling on their life. You love them. They're your children, and they are destined to make a difference, an impact for eternity. I pray that you would help us to become more like you. We need to be humble. Help us get there, Lord. We draw near to you tonight. And I'm going to just challenge you right now, guys. Draw near to God right now. Draw near to God right now. One of your strengths is authenticity. Let that strength help you in your relationship with God right now. Be authentic with God right now. You, you can't run. You can't hide. He knows every, everything that's going on in your life. So just be honest and just be like, God, I need you. God, we need a breakthrough. We need a breakthrough. We repent of anything that has separated us from you, anything that has distracted us from you, we repent. We need you to help us grow. We want to become more mature, more like Christ. Lord, we want that specific purpose. We want that burden put on our heart like it was put on Scotty's. What is it that you're calling us to do? We humble ourselves right now. We can't figure it out on our own. We humble ourselves and we ask you, to give it to us. We ask you to help us grow in our walk with you. Let our relationship with you, Jesus, be so real and so bold and help us to be more hungry for you than we ever have been. We cry out to you, God. We need you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.